into changing mind control. Come let the revolution take its toll. If you could flick the switch to open your third eye, see that we should never be afraid to die. Rise up and take the power back. Time the back cats had a heart attack. You know that their time's coming to an end. We have to unify and watch our flag ascend. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Sash Show. I'm your host, Tori. So we have a lot to talk about today. A lot. A ton. Like, all of it. So this weekend, I have been not as productive as I wanted, only because I'm trying to figure out um, how it is that I can get all of you connected with the rest of America. And, you know, my campaign of people, <laughs> you know, being upset for calling them out, for telling you guys to just sit back and relax, um, is working because we're getting shit done. And I'm going to show you how we're going to get shit done, but I don't know which way to start. Should I start with what's coming nasty wise or what's coming win wise? Like, which one do you guys want first? Uh, because, you know, today so far, right, we've got... Texas, we've got Ohio, we've got Arizona, we've got Illinois, we got Idaho, we got Washington, New Jersey and, and, and Louisiana in the pipeline. Guys, can we get 26 states? Can we get 26 states to file this shit? <laughs> file a written mandamus in the Supreme Court. Remember, just because the written mandamus is filed, you're not sitting, right? The rest of you are filing affidavits under that writ of mandamus, right? It's got to be reinforced. It's got to be pushed. And I'll tell you why it's really, really important. 
So I never tell, you know, hey, maybe you should go do this or maybe this is what we should do. I always try it first. Like if someone was to ask me, oh, you know, I'm headed to China and uh, what do you think I should try? And I could say, hey, you should try a seahorse. And someone will say, why would I do that? It's totally disgusting. I thought it was a lollipop. It was actually a dehydrated seahorse and it tasted like fishy crap, but you should try it so you can say you've done it. You never tell someone to try something, right? When, you know, you wouldn't do it. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> My I wouldn't do's are pretty specific. So you just have to assume I've done it all. Um, because when I see one of those uh, Facebook things, they're like, count how many points of things you haven't done. It's like, damn, I'm always the one that has all the points, right? That I've done all of these things. And maybe there's like one thing missing, sometimes none. So for all of you out there, what you are doing is is insane. Um, shoot, uh, Thursday, I have to file my amendment to my original federal lawsuit because I'm amending it. I didn't put all my weaponry down. You gotta be filing amendments. You have that right without even saying anything within 21 days of your first filing. And that's on Thursday. So I'm filing an amendment. I'm also filing a response to his, um, you know, a decision to the TRO, not my case. He didn't throw it out, but he was inferring that he was going to. So this is where I just have to say stuff like, Hey, didn't you read the shit I filed already? You know, but in a nicer way, more elaborate. And maybe when we're talking science of mass, I could use those FOIA emails of Fauci that clearly from Fauci's email say masks don't work. I mean, how could you debate King Fauci? Like stop. All right. So I'm doing that, but it's not because I'm worried about my kid with masks, right? I'm not, I'm not worried at all. My kids are going to be fine. It's for those parents that don't know they have a problem yet because parents don't have rights. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about in Illinois where there was divorce court and the judge decided, yeah, mom, you're not vaccinated. You don't get to see the kid until you're vaccinated. Like who the hell are you to say that? Hmm. And how in Michigan, they're coming out and they're starting to question parents that are homeschooling their kids to see if they have vaccines. And you're like, nope, I have rights. Don't you dare come knocking on my door. I'll shoot you. Well, it's going to be a bloodbath then. What you need to be doing is filing these fucking federal cases, right, to support your argument. And don't think that this is a new argument. It's an argument that's been going on for a while, and I'll showcase that to you. But here's a problem that we are all facing for those of us that have children in the school systems. Teachers are evil, especially the liberal ones, the ones that want the CRT, that want to see your white kids in chains because they said so, and the ones that they want to bend down and lick shoes because they're the wrong skin color, or the ones that say, obey, obey, like that video of that two-year-old child. I couldn't bear to watch it. A little child in preschool being forced, smothered with a mask. That's child abuse. Child abuse. But not only that, you have teachers that promote bullying. We know that the majority of the bullying that happens in schools are because it's applauded, encouraged, or done by teachers. And there are horror stories that I'm going to introduce you to today. Horror stories. 
But before I get into the and one of our own Tori Says family, before I get to that, I want to show you how teachers are caught. Um, you know, uh, one teacher is actually facing charges of child abuse after she said students weren't wearing masks properly. Well, this is a real thing. Take a look. Let's, let's, let's put this in here. Let's do this. You need to see this because you have to understand what we're up against. For those of you sitting on the sidelines saying, well, you know, someone else is going to do this. I don't have to file things. Oh, you, you have to file. Masks properly. So then the teacher was said to have sprayed aerosol disinfectant towards them. Bars this morning, accused of abusing four children in her classroom. The 51-year-old teacher says the incident started when her students wouldn't properly wear their masks. What she did next landed her in big trouble. Eight on your side, Pinellas County Bureau reporter Christy McClarty joins us live from the jail to explain. According to Largo Police, on Tuesday, four students allegedly didn't wear their masks properly. So then the teacher was said to have sprayed aerosol disinfectant towards them. Teacher Largo High, go Packers, right? Right. Christina Rezatar appeared before a judge Thursday facing four counts of child abuse. Your Honor, the state would ask for a higher bond on each of these charges. Rezatar says she teaches learning disabled math. Wednesday, she was escorted from Largo High School and booked into the Pinellas County Jail. According to these police reports, the students refused to wear their masks properly, so she sprayed disinfectant aerosol into the path of their faces and bodies. It was all caught on camera. I will show that those allegations are not true. I don't think it was the right thing to do. Resitar's neighbor, Teresa, says she feels for the students, but calls the arrest excessive. Maybe a little excessive. I mean, I know the teachers have lock her up, lock her up right now. With the virus. We went to speak with Resitar's husband. No one answered. A Pinellas County School District spokesman says she's still employed. We asked if the district condones this behavior, if she'll be allowed back, and how are the students now? But got no response. I think that I could fairly characterize this as a severely misguided attempt at discipline. With no serious record, the judge released Resitar from jail without bond. I mean, are you going to be able to hire a lawyer to represent you? Or you need to uh, be appointed public defender. I will not be able to afford one my teacher's salary. That teacher should be locked up. But here's the thing. That's one that was caught. See, they're slicker than that. Remember, they enter into these Zoom calls with your children in middle school and high school, urging them to throw bricks and steal clothes and shoes because they're oppressed, right? They're smarter now. The younger teachers are smarter. The older ones just don't give a shit, right? So these teachers berate and they attack. That was Florida. Let me show you Wisconsin now, right? This is Wisconsin. This happened in Wisconsin. So just so that you can see what the students are up against, because, you know, a lot of people don't ask the kids because the kids won't say anything. They actually get bullied by the teachers. Nobody wants to talk about that. Here we go. If you're vaccinated, you little dick. Okay. I don't want to get sick and die. Okay. There's other people you can infect just because you're vaccinated. You know what? You're not a special person around here. You should hear about how everybody talks about you. You're I don't a know how jerk. Talk to me. I don't care how people You're talk about a jerk. Me. Okay. And you need to have respect for other people in your life. I do. You're not a big man on campus. Quit walking around here like you have a stick up your butt. People don't like you. 
I don't like you. People like me. They're I pretending. Mean, in a few years, look at me, and then you'll be like, oh, hey, darn, I was wrong about him. No, in a few years, I know exactly where you're going to be because people with your attitude don't get very far. I think I'm pretty You good treat at people like crap. And people that people, treat people treat like people. crap don't get very far, Jimmy. I treat people how they treat me. No, they don't. You don't care about people. You are one of the most disrespectful kids I've ever seen grace the halls of this high school. Grow up. I'm not have a little compassion for other people in the world. I do. You do not. Is it loud enough that you can hear me over your music? Park closed. You won't get arrested if the cops come. Wait, can we go over there? Can we go over there? Get it through your thick head. You are the reason we are in this situation. You are the problem, not the solution. I'm just trying to save your ass and save your life. But die, okay? I hope both of you get the coronavirus. I hope you both die along painful to me about how I'm not doing a good enough job in distance learning based on what you need as an individual, just dare them to come at me because I'm so sick to my stomach of parents trying to tell educators how to do their job. I have never once gone to a doctor's appointment and tried to tell my medical health provider how to treat me. You know why? Because I know nothing about that. I didn't get my degree in medicine. I am going off. I'm sorry. So that's just a compilation of a few of them. But let me show you how bullying really works. This is a very tragic story from years ago. And actually, it was from the state of Ohio because we're going to talk about that. But before we go, let's look at another more recent school mask bullying concerns report that was done. See, this is a big problem. The teachers are the problem. First of all, most of them got the vaccine, so they're actually super spreaders of COVID Delta, which I don't know how they're testing for that shit when the FDA told us in a letter that there's no COVID Delta tests. So I guess they're just assuming, I guess, right? Because usually when a virus is passed on from person to person, it's not as harmful and it kind of dies out. But for some reason, this one is supersonic and induces bacterial pneumonia in people that are unvaccinated. The vaccinated are killing the unvaccinated because the unvaccinated, instead of getting antibiotics or invermectin, they go into hospital and they're demanded to be intubated so they can all die and get vaccinated against their will, which is where they test the toxicity levels. Oh, that's a whole other story in itself. But, oh, by the way, Project Veritas is going to be doing a premiere at 8 p.m., so I will be watching that with you guys, that insider stuff. So, anyway, let's take a look at this school mask bullying concerns report. School board meetings and name-calling over masks in school. 
And it has got some parents really worried that kids may be bullied for wearing a mask. Our Sandra Ali is here with experts' advice on how to discuss this important topic with your kids. Last school year, masks were mandatory for everyone. But this year, there's a patchwork of different policies that means many kids will be attending schools where masks are optional. As the start of the school year approaches, experts say it's crucial to talk to your kids about the situation, no matter which side of the debate you're on. Across the country and here at home, masks in school are at the center of an emotionally charged debate. Stuck in the middle? The children, with so much disagreement and bitterness between adults, many are wondering how much will carry over into school between the kids. Well, there has to be some sort of responsibility on the school's end to intervene, stop bullying, uh, and, and do their best to create a safe environment regardless of, of what the current situation is. Dr. Matthew Lacasse is a child and adolescent psychiatrist at Children's Hospital of Michigan. Hopefully kids won't be bullied for wearing masks. It's dangerous, both in the short term and long term. Kids that are bullied suffer greatly. Dr. Lacasse says much of the responsibility to stop mask bullying will fall on the schools. So if kids are being bullied, it would be really important that the school do their best to take care of it. We encourage schools to have programs, anti-bullying programs. We also encourage kids to talk about bullying with their teachers, with their peers, with their parents to report bullying immediately. But parents can reduce the risk of bullying by discussing the issue at home. Parents should really educate their kids about about the decision to wear a mask, right? It's it's essentially all about safety. And a lot of a lot of families make their own decisions based on their own values uh, and what's going on inside that home. And it's really important to teach kids that Different people do things differently and different people have different reasons to do so. So here's how they're arguing this, that children all should wear masks so we don't have bullying in schools. And therefore, we decide because we, the teachers, are the ones that are affected. Kids can't die from it. They can't get sick from it. So the teachers need to protect themselves from children. So all of these idiots have vaccines which supposedly protect them. But apparently they're not protecting them enough. Apparently, right? Getting the vaccine isn't good enough. So they need to mask all your kids. Well, teachers are smart. The young ones, they work with groups. I got a an email from my daughter's school that says, hey, we have social youth activist counselors that are now at our school to talk to your kid about social youth activism. Fuck you. When did the sunset some sunrise movement that should have been sunset a long time ago suddenly have to suddenly have to be implemented in your school. What is that? Uh, are you going to teach them how they get arrested? Are you going to have them join and sacrifice something at the altar? Which one? Which one? So here's where I'm going to show you a tragic story of how teachers allowed five students to commit suicide from one school a few years ago. They allowed the bullying because it satisfied them in some way, something they agreed with, disagreed with. And it happened here in Ohio because I'm going to tell you something about one of our own people where their kid was not only bullied but attacked by other students that love masks and think they're going to die. And this is what teachers do. 
And now there's an active criminal investigation. And the school is refusing to provide cameras. If I was the parent, which I'm in contact with, I would subpoena all emails between teachers talking about any one of those perpetrators and how they may have had a discussion of how to put the one that doesn't want to wear masks in place. Oh, and just so you know, my daughter's being bullied too by her own fucking teachers. But my kid records them. They don't know that. See, mom doesn't only have a phone on her kid. Nah, there's little drones. Yes, this is how you catch them. This is how you catch them and you use that shit against them. Because these teachers need to be put in their place. Their job is to educate. If they're so scared of fucking COVID, then let's put a TV screen in that room and let the kids go to school and watch a fucking screen. Because regardless, you suck at teaching. This is what has to be done. If they're supposed to be masked up to protect, if 30 students need to be masked up to protect one teacher, that teacher should teach remotely and let the kids not wear masks. That's how it should be done. Now, take a listen to this. This is a trailer for a movie about these suicides. We moved to Menor with the expectations it would be a gentler life. It would be less aggressive. It was not what I was expecting. Kids from the classroom told us that these kids would misbehave and just torment Eric. From day one, the bullies would push him into lockers. They smacked him upside his head. They called him fag. Um, the school is rated excellent, but we see lots of drug activity and violence in the school that they refuse to, to prosecute. A teste godine, arano, curce, onda se pojedini dobacijel da je lesbijeka, da je, arano, što se druži samo sa curcom, a što nema muški. And everybody knew probably who the bullies were because the parents were in there constantly telling them and the kids were reporting it and the security guards were reporting it. So the question is, what did they do about it? And the day that he killed himself, the bully said to Eric, why don't you go home and just shoot yourself? It's not like anyone would care. And he did. I pisala posle na MySpace kako je grdna haljina i kako je loše obučena, kako loše izgleda u sanduku. For those listening to the podcast, the parent that is an immigrant, obviously from a communist nation, as you can hear, said that they even posted on MySpace or something like that, that the dress that their daughter was wearing in the coffin was ugly. This is just how evil children can be when they're empowered by adults to have that kind of behavior. Over. Floating toward the sky. We've a team that's fighting for us. Cheerful. How can one school? 
have so many kids have such serious problems that would cause them to want to kill themselves. Alma mater, alma mater. When from thee we part, we shall keep thy memory ever woven in our heart. We shall keep thy memory ever woven in our I'm sure a lot of you haven't, uh, didn't know about that. You'll be surprised to see what else I'm going to show you. Here's the video reports from the news from these parents crying because their kids are dead. In this one, it's in less than two years, four high school students in Mentor, Ohio have taken their lives, right? But I want you to know why the teachers there were so empowered. You're going to see it now right after this clip. For the Vitovic family, seeing photos of 16-year-old Sladyana brings out a flood of memories and emotions. The teen, who came to the U.S. as a small child and loved to dance, hanged herself in 2008 after being bullied at school. I miss her so much. It was the fourth time in little more than two years that a bullied student at Mentor High School died by his or her own hand. And now the Vitoviks and the family of another bullied teen who committed suicide, Eric Mohat, are suing the school district, saying it didn't do enough to combat the abusive behavior. They'd be poking with pencils, flicking his ears, you know, telling him to go shoot himself, you know, that he was worthless, that he was um, um, a loser. In addition to playing the piano, Eric Mohat liked to sing in the choir and often wore pink clothing. In 2007... He died after he shot himself. Two years later, the family filed a federal lawsuit against the school district, which is still pending. Some called him fag and, and queer because that got the most laughs. Sladyana's family says students at Mentor High mocked her Croatian accent, taunted her with insults, and threw food at her. They say school officials promised to take action but never did. Why didn't they protect my sister when she needed that help? But they knew about all her problems. Why? Jennifer Ireling was an accomplished equestrian, but she was hard of hearing and needed a tutor to keep up at school. Her mother says she was also taunted at school constantly. She sobbed every morning. She didn't want to go to school. And I made her go to school because I'm trying to do the right thing as a parent. If I could go back, I would never have let her step foot in school. But I can't go back. In 2006, she died of an overdose on her mother's antidepressants. The Irelings don't hold Mentor High responsible for their daughter's death, but they think she would be alive today if she wasn't bullied at school. The school district isn't commenting on the issue and it refused to provide details on its anti-bullying program. Some students say the problem is the culture of conformity in Mentor. They say if you're not an athlete or a cheerleader, you're not cool. And if you're not cool, you're a target. If your parents aren't booster parents, and if the teachers don't protect you, and if the teachers don't like you, they will target you. But you know who was campaigning there and who embraced that school that was so successful at getting everyone, everyone to commit suicide at that school? Well, no need for introductions on that one, is there? Here we go.
You may not agree with every decision I've made. You may at times have been frustrated by the pace of change, but you know what I believe. You know where I stand. You know I tell the truth. And you know I'll fight for you and your families every single day as hard as I know how. You know that. You know that. I want to train two million Americans in our community colleges with the skills businesses are looking for right now. That's the kind of change we need. That's what we're fighting for in this election. So obviously Satan himself had come to that school, had spoken from that school, right? And before we get into, well, before we watch the Project Veritas, there's no sound. Is there, reason, is there sound? Frozen, frozen, frozen. Okay. Are you good? Is it back? Is it back? Is it back? Okay, it's back. So as I was saying, in Medina, um, the school district there is all about protecting themselves and forcing the kids to wear masks. The parents that have filed federal lawsuits are, uh, there's two, I think, in Medina that have filed and many that have gone to the school and complained. Well, one of those people in our groups, in the Ohio group, Andy, his daughter has been bullied so much that before we even filed the lawsuit, she had attempted suicide because she was being bullied about masks, forced, taunted for being an anti-vaxxer and an anti-masker. And not only that, um, after the lawsuits were filed, you would assume that the teachers would be a little bit more careful. No. Guess what happened? Today, a group of children, and I'm pretty sure prompted and allowed by the teachers, jumped her and beat her. And now the father has hired a criminal attorney, um, and I will do everything in my power to help him. This is unacceptable, and the teachers are causing this. If the teachers are scared of fucking masks, they should stay home. There's 700 students and 30 teachers. We're not going to sacrifice their childhood, their ability to socialize, and their ability to breathe fresh air when they're not affected. If you're scared, you stay home. We'll put on one of those smart boards, and you'll be on the screen. They don't need you physically there. You could do that. And that's the proposal I'm going to provide at my school board because if they continue this, I'm taking this all the way up to the Supreme Court. I'm going to fight this tooth and nail. There is nothing, nothing that can stop me. They could try, <laughs> but nothing's going to stop it. And the fact that they're bullying my kid too, that's a big problem. Very, very big problem. They have uh, tapped students to try to bully my child too. It's not happening. Phoebe records everything. Phoebe doesn't even know she's recording. She has special pens and devices. I could do whatever the fuck I want. It's public grounds. Sue me. I dare you. Because I'll make that shit public. Every single word, every single thing you say, test me. And that's the way all of us should be standing behind our kids. All of us. Because this should not be allowed. They get paid with our tax dollars. I think that's what set off the teacher too. I think the teacher told Phoebe today, um, you're making my, my, my job really difficult for not wearing a mask. She was like, 
I don't see how I'm making it difficult. She's like, you still get paid. And she was like, you get paid by our tax dollars. Get out. <laughs> Phoebe said, I was bitched at for not wearing a mask. Maybe you need to tell your teachers to not bully me about that. She uses the right words, and that's how it's done. Teachers should not be bullying kids because if you're scared of getting sick, stay the fuck home, right? No one's forcing you to go there. Stay the fuck home. You were doing remote learning, stay the fuck home. Do remote learning. We don't need you in the classrooms. Teachers aren't, the kids aren't even vulnerable. They won't even die from COVID. Actually, the vaccinated ones, I don't know. That's kind of up in the air right now, right? We'll talk about that too, because the FDA has a lot to say on that. Something the news media is not going to show you, but we'll talk about that. But this is unacceptable. And this is something that we need to make sure is not allowed to perpetuate within our nation, within our schools, within our children's schools at all. And all of us united together will take each and every one of them down. They have no power. They get paid by us. And that's the way it is. And if they're too scared to teach, they should stay the fuck home and not be in a classroom. That's basically it. After all, all they do is provide packets, right? That's all they do. Provide packets, right? What did that teacher say in the video? If your parents have a problem with the way I do it, then me, 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 me. Now, let's go to the whistleblower. Thank you, Project Veritas. I actually want to put Project Veritas in touch with the Tory Says um, whistleblower. If the whistleblower will whistleblow, will blow that whistle. I don't know. I'm going to approach them and ask them. But let's take a look. At this. And probably uh, being done because the, the government doesn't want to show that the darn vaccine is full, of, is full of shit. Tell us about who this person is. Dr. Gonzalez is one of our emergency room doctors at Phoenix Indian Medical Center. And she's a federal employee? Correct. Now you got this guy in room four who got his second dose of vaccine um, on Tuesday, has been short of breath. He's got myocarditis. Yes. Oh, this is bullshit. I, and then no, let's see. Probably myocarditis due to the vaccine. Right. But now they're not going to blame the vaccine. Well, and you know what? But he has an obligation to report that, doesn't he? They are not reporting. Right. Because they want to shove it under the, yeah. under the, 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 the mat. What patient was she referring to? She was uh, referring to that patient, that 30-something-year-old patient that had congestive heart congestive failure. Congestive heart failure. And in that particular patient's case, it was not reported. No. The problem in here is they are not doing the studies. People that had it, you know, right. and the people that have been uh, uh, vaccinated, they're not doing any um, antibody testing. It's super fishy. not that it hasn't been done, it hasn't been published. <laughs> it hasn't probably uh, been done because the, the government doesn't want to show that the darn vaccine is full, of, is full of shit. The government doesn't want to show that the vaccine is full of shit. It's not doing what it, its purpose was. May I see your badges? You're Jody O'Malley, the Department of Health and Human Services. This is the United States government identification. I'm looking at the CDC website. It says that you're required to report adverse events following vaccinations. One of those would be uh, congestive heart failure. 
that's a huge one. Were there other instances that they they didn't report? Oh, I've seen dozens of people come in with an adverse reaction. Yeah, it's really sad. She had just come back from surgery from leave. So what are we looking at here? You're looking at me transferring her um, to uh, a higher level of care that could handle her condition. And this is a, col a colleague at your hospital who got sick. She didn't want to take it because of her religious beliefs. And she was coerced into taking it. Why are you choosing to blow the whistle? It's not what a lot of people would do. They're scared, they're afraid. Are you afraid? I wouldn't necessarily say I'm afraid because my faith lies in God and not man. This is evil at the, the highest level. You have the FDA, you have the CDC that are both supposed to be protecting us. Are you afraid they're going to retaliate against you? Yeah. I'm a federal employee. What other federal employees do you see coming out? But you put your faith in God. Amen. The government doesn't want to show that the darn vaccine is full of shit. And if you let me show you the people who are vaccinated, that's sounding very Germany. I'm going to go to where you're going instead of one. Let me she didn't want to take it because of her religious beliefs. She was coerced into taking it. They are not reporting because they want to show it on the, the map. Why are you choosing to blow the whistle? Are you afraid? I wouldn't necessarily say I'm afraid. My faith lies in God and not man. My name is Jody O'Malley, and I'm a master's prepared registered nurse. First of all, your hospital is run by HHS, correct? I work for Health and Human Services um, with uh, Indian Health Services branch for the Native Americans. You, you, these are federal employees. Yes. And we work for the government. So, I mean, the, the main thing is we have to follow. I know. I mean, that's another so thing. I don't know how much longer I'll be here. And the <laughs> Here. I know. Are the policies and administrators coming directly from the federal government? Yes. The problem in here is they are not doing the studies. People that had it, you right. know, and the people that have been uh, uh, vaccinated, they're not doing any um, antibody testing. Now you got this guy in room four who got his second dose of vaccine mm -hmm. um, on Tuesday, has been short of breath. Okay, now his BNP is elevated, D-dimer elevated, ALT, oh. all his liver enzymes are elevated, his PT, PTI, and R is He's elevated. He's got myocarditis. Yes. Oh, this is bullshit. I, and then no, let's see. Probably myocarditis due to the vaccine. Right, but now they're not going to blame the vaccine. Well, and you know what? But he has an obligation to report that, doesn't he? Oh, it yes. happened. Right, what is it? 60 days after, if you see anything? Uh, they have got to. But they how many people report. are reporting? They are not reporting. Right. Because they want to show it under the yeah. under the, 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 the mat. In this instance with Dr. Gonzalez, what patient was she referring to or without saying she was uh, referring to that patient that had congestive heart congestive failure. heart failure and yeah. in that particular patient's case it was not reported no i'm going to have to transfer you to another hospital we don't have cardiologists here and what you're developing is like a congestive heart failure okay and 
and doesn't not good. I don't know where this is coming from. Mm -hmm. On July 29th, you had the first COVID vaccine, mm -hmm. and August 19th, you had the second. You know, you don't have COVID, okay, but you have got a lot of symptoms, mm -hmm. you know, right. and you're developing congestive heart failure. Were there other instances that they? They didn't report? Oh, I've seen dozens of people come in with an adverse reaction. Was one of the ones you saw a 15-year-old with blood clots? Yeah, so I was um, just covering a nurse. Um, he's in here with bilateral PEs, but he's fine. And I'm like, okay. So he wasn't on oxygen or anything like that. And I said, was he um, vaccinated? And then she's like, I don't know. So then I looked in the chart and... He was. He had the Pfizer vaccine or at the end of July, and he was due for a second dose. So this is essentially two to three weeks later. Most likely cause of hypoxia, unusual PE at this age. Unclear etiology. They don't know why he got it. So how do we know that the blood clots, or how do you know that the blood clots are? I just want to clarify. PE means pulmonary embolism. I You know... It's it's a good thing they're coming out, and I'm going to kind of say this on air because I know my nurse friends do listen, and we have a lot of nurses and doctors that listen to this. But one specific one in Indiana, I can put you in a connect um, with um, James O'Keefe. I think it's it's time we actually bring the HIV factor out too. A result of the COVID vaccine. Because this is a 15-year-old, normal weight, healthy child. No reason for him to have a blood clot. It's a shame they're not treating people. I know. Like they're supposed to. Like they should. And I think they want people to die. And how many have you seen that have gotten vaccinated here? That have sick and yeah. side effects? A lot. A lot. Have you seen it too? Yeah. Yes. So and I'm like, who's writing the bears report? Nobody, because it takes over a half an hour to write it down. Why? The CDC website, it says that you're required to report adverse events following vaccinations. Is there a policy at the hospital for reporting these complications? No. There has never been any directive sent out on reporting. With this vaccine, we are in stage three clinical trials. Normally, stage three clinical trials is where you gather your data. What the responsibility on everyone is, is to gather that data and report it. And if we're not gathering that data and reporting it, then how are we going to say that this is safe and approved for use? How come after 18 months we haven't had any it's, research? Isn't that fishy to you? It doesn't. It does. It is doesn't. It's super fishy. not that it hasn't been done. It hasn't been published. <laughs> That's it hasn't awesome. probably uh, been done because the, the government doesn't want to show that the darn vaccine is full, of, is full of shit. What does she mean by full of shit? It's not doing what it, its purpose was. And what did, what is Dr. McGee saying in that video? He's trying to defend the vaccine. Why would he do that? Because that's his view on it. Okay. His view is get the vaccine. It's science. Right? If we all just get it, this will all be over with. Such a bunch of bullshit. And what do we do? I don't know. 
but there's so much I want to blow up. So much. How do we do that? But like, you know, Project Veritas. Why are you choosing to blow the whistle? It's not what a lot of people would do. They're scared. They're afraid. What prompted me to do this was when I was house supervisor one night and one of my co-workers had taken the vaccine and she didn't want to. She had went throughout this entire pandemic working in the intensive care unit. It pretty much was a COVID unit. Yeah, it's really sad. She had just come back from surgery from leave two weeks ago, a little over two weeks. And then um, got her first dose of vaccine after surviving this entire pandemic. She didn't want to take it. She didn't want to take it because of her religious beliefs. And she was coerced into taking it. And it's like, nobody, nobody should have to decide between their livelihood, being a part of the team in the hospital, or take the vaccine. Now, now, now we're just making people take it and then there's reactions to it. And then you have a medication that has been shown effective and surely has no adverse reactions for trying it. Did um, Dr. Bakwa talk to you about prescribing ivermectin for not a lot of this facility. And so physicians can't um, prescribe off-label use medication here? Not for COVID. They did it with hydroxychloroquine and they it was really bad. And so they are not allowing it right now. She said, yes, um, I would agree to write for this because she's not contraindicated. And Dr. Bagwa, so that? Yes. I am, I am stuck. I am told you are absolutely not to use it under any circumstances whatsoever for somebody with COVID unless you don't want to have a job. I am not going to lose my job. Damn. They were not allowing, they were going to lose their job if they allowed you to use that drug. Right. Nuts. Right now, um, what is plaguing this country is the spirit of fear. Are you afraid? It's my career. You know, it's how I help people. Um, but am I afraid? I wouldn't necessarily say I'm afraid um, because my faith lies in God and not man. So I have um, two older kids that are on their own and I have a 12 year old at home um, that I care for on my own. You know, like what kind of person would I be if I, if I knew all of this, this is evil. This is evil at the, the highest level. You have the FDA, you have the CDC that are both supposed to be protecting us, but they are under the government. And everything that we've done so far is unscientific. Are you afraid they're going to retaliate against you? Yeah. I'm a federal employee. What other federal employees do you see coming out? But you put your faith in God. Amen. Out. Deception. Propaganda. A new book by James O'Keefe. Pre-order now at AmericanMuckRaker.com. How was that? Finally, like I said months and months ago, Arizona will resurrect America like a phoenix. Not only from the elections, 
but exposing the evil. McCain should be flipping around in this fucking grave right now. He's in hell where he should be. I told you guys that they're going to be coming and I am so devastated for this woman. She lost her friend. You know, they don't care. <laughs> they really don't care. What they care about is money and their end game. So you just got to think, what is the end game? Let's take a quick intermission. Stars 
who called them each by name will surely keep your promise to me that I will rise in your victory. Hold on to your hope. 
As your triumph unfolds He's never failing He's never failing Oh Miracles happen When we fix our eyes on Jesus Miracles happen when you fix your eyes on Jesus. In the light of His face, all our questions die, all our questions fade away. In the light of his face all our questions fade away so take courage my heart stay steadfast my soul he's in the waiting he's in the waiting and hold on to your as your triumph unfolds, he's never failing. He's never failing. Miracles happen when we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Let's declare this today. Miracles happen when we fix our eyes. Jesus Christ, hallelujah, miracles happen when we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, oh, miracles happen when we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, just lift up, lift up, pray, lift up your eyes, miracles happen when you fix your eyes on oh, Jesus Christ. We believe, we believe, we believe that miracles happen.
was an intermission and slash a prayer for those of you that didn't listen to the song that I have been sharing, which is a prayer in itself. And it's pretty cool. And the woman has impeccable vocals. Now, churches have sold everyone out. Businesses are now declining religious exemptions. Uh, This is coming from all types of businesses, including the military. Uh, Like I said, the process is you file it, you write an essay as to why you believe this, then you go and see a chaplain who may or may not be a chaplain of your denomination. And then if you pass that level, then you go to a psychiatrist and they determine if you're stable enough to still be in the military. Oh, and when you file that religious exemption, you can't get vaccines for things like yellow fever that we know we can combat or get hydroxychloroquine and stuff or other things. So you're grounded to the United States and you will never be deployed. So that's basically what they're doing to our military members. <laughs> my, my, the church, uh, what was it called? Jurisdiction, like the guy said. Funny how I had that conversation. Just, you know, a couple days before the Greek devil decided that he's the Greek church that oversees America, right? That's a different jurisdiction. They don't listen to what the head of the Greek church says, which is people have a choice. I mean, shit's really hitting the fan in Greece. Like it's going insane. Um, But, you know, here they're like, you have to get the vaccine. Good. Let's kill all the priests to take it. Right. That's that's basically what they want to do. Right. It's going to be fun because today's the harvest moon. That's what the full moon is about today. It's that time to harvest. (laughs) So weird. That the brightest full moon of the year is called the harvest moon. And it is tonight. And it's the closest one to the autumn equinox. It's in what they call the constellation of Pisces. This elaborate prison that you're in, right, affects you in all ways. Stars, satellites, 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 all of them. But you know what it is? This is a time for reflection and gratitude. Because basically, it is at this time that you have a full reflection of your reality, your constructed reality, where you are shackled to, the cage that you cannot see. I would highly suggest for those of you that contemplate things this evening to say all the things to yourself, I guess, anything negative, holding you back, bad habits, you know, whatever. And just release it. 
So that way you can resonate. There's a new charge on the cage at this point. Hmm. How do I put it? Just toss away all the burdens and worries. <laughs> Tori, they're killing people. How do we toss that away? Know that you are unaffected, that you and your families are safe. And I'll, and you know what? It's a good thing we're going to talk about this on the second half of this show. I'm going to show you what we're fighting and how we're going to win. And I'm going to give you the whole damn plan today. And you're going to see why it's very important that we bring more people into this, that we expand our efforts, that we get more Americans. I mean, yeah, it's two million strong, but you know, over a million of those are outside of the United States. I mean, look at our peeps down in Brazil. Damn, right? They're getting stuff done. I want you guys to reflect on what you would like to harvest coming forward. This reflection is a full reflection of your world today. And yes, it's energy. Therefore, it affects you. Remember that. So now, let's move to the second topic. Parents. Do parents actually have rights? And why are we going to talk about this? Because we need to talk about what these vaccines are, right? We should. I mean, we have to, right? I actually was on Facebook during the intermission because I wanted to share the Project Veritas. And I see a woman that I met when I was um, in medical school who was a young nurse then, and now she got her PhD online in nursing, who claimed that the video from the FDA was fake and misinformation. I kid you not. These people need to be hung by their toes burn their degrees. They should be fired. Took a screenshot because I'm going to make sure she gets fired when this is coming up. That she get removed and delicensed, unlicensed, removed, revoked licenses because she's supposed to be a PhD. She shouldn't be practicing any type of medicine. She shouldn't be a nurse practitioner. It's disgusting. And I will demand that. It's not now. I think it's 2024 when we're going to be putting them on trials and stuff. But I did tell you we're going to have Nuremberg 2.0 very, 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 very long time ago. And here we are. This is murder. This is reckless. And this is intentional. They intentionally, intentionally do not pay attention. I want you to understand something. Remember when we were going through the biological license uh, application in uh, August that Pfizer got accepted under the common ratty? Remember how I told you that there was no um, uh, advisory committee meeting and they just gave it to them because it was the same one? Do you guys remember that? And how I told you that their application was, you know, under it's the same vaccine and it was approved to be trademarked with the, to be used with the new name. And I explained to you why such a delay, they could have done common ratty 
the beginning of the year, but they couldn't. Why? Do you remember? It was all about the trademark name in Germany. They had filed, they had failed, and they had to wait until April of 2021 when they got the U.S. trademark approved to then file in May, okay? Because it takes time, right? This is why it happened. This is why they waited so long to file. Anybody telling you anything different is not telling you the truth. I saw the post, I believe, put out an article saying, oh my gosh, they're looking to like vaccinate children between five and 11. We knew that. I showed you the test groups. I showed you the outlines. When they applied, they were given stipulations. Okay, you're doing it under this name. Why? Oh, because we want to test it on kids between the ages of five and 11. And then what did I tell you? January and February, they're going to start testing it on infants. We already knew that. This isn't news. I don't know why people are breaking the news now when that shit was out in August, right? With the BLA license, all of it was there. So I don't know why people are making it news now when it was news a month ago, okay? Which means none of them are doing their job, right? So here's what this committee that approves vaccines or disproves vaccines had to say about it. Hi, I'm Steve Kirsch. I'm executive director of the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund. I have no conflicts. Uh, Advance to slide number four with the elephant. I'm going to focus my remarks today on the elephant in the room that nobody likes to talk about, that the vaccines kill more people than they save. Today, we focus almost exclusively on COVID death saves and vaccine efficacy because we were led to believe that vaccines are perfectly safe. But this is simply not true. For example, there were four times as many heart attacks in the treatment group in the Pfizer six-month trial report. That wasn't bad luck. Theirs shows heart attacks happen 71 times more often following these vaccines compared to any other vaccine. In all, 20 people died who got the drug, 14 died who got the placebo. Few people noticed that. If the net all-cause mortality from the vaccines is negative, vaccines, boosters, and mandates are all nonsensical. This is the case today. Death rates. Um, uh, let's slide number seven, advance uh, to the number seven in lower part. This shows that the all-cause uh, death light rate in, uh, uh, in three cases. Only the VAERS numbers are statistically significant, but the other numbers are troubling. Even if the vaccines had 100% protection, it still means we kill two people to save one life. Four experts did analyses using completely different non-U.S. data sources and all of them came up with approximately the same number of excess vaccine-related deaths, about 411 deaths per million doses. That translates into 150,000 people have died. Next slide would be slide number 11, uh, the nursing home. Now, the real numbers confirm that we kill more than we save, and I, will, uh, I would love everyone to look at the Israel Ministry of Health data on the 90-plus-year-olds where we went to we went from a 94.4% uh, vaccinated group to 82.9% vaccinated in the last four months. In the most optimistic scenario, it means that 50% of the vaccinated people died and 0% of unvaccinated people died. 50% of the vaccinated died, 0% of the unvaccinated died. Again, this video let me show you for those watching is on the U.S. Food and Drug Administration official certified checkmarked YouTube channel. OK, so it's not somebody putting it together. It's them. And it was their vaccines and related biological products advisory committee.
All right. So this isn't any fake news. This isn't shit. Someone whistle blew because they don't trust whistleblowers. You know, I'm a nurse. I know best. So let me tell you something. Do you know that nurses and doctors aren't even getting the vaccine? They're literally writing themselves COVID cards. <laughs> and if you have friends, they're giving them to you too. And trashing the rest. How are they going to know when it's fake? They can't. They can't. They're all writing themselves. They're not even fucking taking the vaccine. They're lying to you. Oh, yeah, I got vaccinated. Only the stupid ones get vaccinated. The real smart ones, like that McGee dude that was defending the vaccine, he probably didn't get it. He probably dumped it in the bin, and that's it. End the story. And he's playing the whole fucking fiddle so that he can get his 80 grand kicker from the insurance company. That's the way it is. Okay? Let's stick to it. That's the way it is. So 50% of the vaccinated died. Zero unvaccinated died. Unless you can explain that to the American public, you cannot approve the boosters. Slide number 16, please, myocarditis. Uh, the paper just posted yesterday on MedArchive entitled mRNA COVID-19 Vaccination and Development of CMR Confirmed Myopericarditis shows that the myopericarditis risk was one in a thousand. And that's an overall age range from 16, 18 to 65, mean age of 33. It is not inconsistent with what the bear shows. Next slide would be slide number 18, gaming of the trial. It's pretty clear that the Pfizer trial results were gained. It's statistically impossible for protocol violations to be five times higher in the treatment group. Why hasn't this been investigated? Slide number 19, uh, Maddie DeGray was, was 12 when she enrolled in the Pfizer phase three trial for kids. Now she's paralyzed for life. It wasn't reported by it in the uh, Pfizer results. I told Janet Woodcock there was no investigation. Please tell us why this was not, why this fraud was not investigated. And finally, um, slide number twenty, please. Um, early treatments are a much better alternative to boosters. Uh, the proof is that in Israel, cases are at an all-time high. In India. Uttar Pradesh is now COVID-19 free as of today. Almost nobody there is vaccinated. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, the next speaker is uh, Mr. David Weidman. Uh, thank you, Dr. Monto. Uh, please see our written comments. Uh, next slide B uh, for our disclosures. And next slide, slide C. Uh, with this Lancet paper by FDA vaccine officials, we find ourselves agreeing with them, but for different reasons. We have an unclear need with unclear motivation significant safety concerns, poor evidence of sustained booster efficacy, and wrong priorities. So while FDA and Pfizer can't agree about waning efficacy, let's go to the next slide, D. We saw recently CDC's apparently withholding, apparent withholding of key data from ACIP prior to recommending the Pfizer vaccine and revealing that the primary driver for approving Cominati was to overcome hesitancy through regulatory misdirection. We agree with others that this has become politicized. Next slide, E. Pfizer's booster evidence today is weak. They are, they are small studies in mostly younger subjects. They are short-term. There is no randomized control. There are no clinical outcome data, only serology. Inadequate safety given this is a gene therapy product. Where are the data from the 10,000 patient study? Next slide, F. If FDA cannot assure us of the safety of two doses, how can they assure us of three? We see strong signals for death, myocardial infarction, and coagulopathy that need transparent investigation. Next slide, G. We find three potential pools of vaccine-associated deaths. Note the second pool among vaccinees. Next slide, H. Daily cases in Israel increase upon booster rollout, 
compared with the same period last year. Please note the correct rollout is July the 1st at the 130 uh, number. The, the Israel booster presented today has matching censoring bias seen in related studies, non-comparable populations, possible clustering bias, inadequate accounting for early vaccine effects, and a short follow-up in mainly older people. Next slide, I. Others show unexplained Israeli deaths lockstepping with booster rollout. Rollout. This looks like the second pool deaths we said before in vaccinees rejected by New England Journal of Medicine in February. Next slide, J. Other safety concerns not voiced in the label are revealed in studies funded offline by NIH for menstrual disorders. Next slide, K. And offline by CDC in a disturbing revelation of an urgent need to monitor safety in pregnancy. Put this in the label. Next slide, L. Long-term safety. No cancer studies were performed. Moderna said its vaccine was a gene therapy product. Why is the FDA not requiring 5 to 15-year cancer and other studies per their gene therapy guidance? Next slide, M. We propose the term PCOVs to describe the wide spectrum of events being reported. Next slide, N. We are running out of options. Vaccine hesitancy won't be solved by bullying or coercion. Address safety. Show convincing booster efficacy. Revisit repurposed drugs. Next slide, O. We reverse the findings of flawed landmark studies that have misguided policy. Journals refuse to correct these defects, and Dr. Rubin's seat on this committee is a conflict. Next slide, P. This is what has to be done. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next speaker is uh, Mr. Kermit Kubitz. Hello. Uh, my name is Kermit Kubitz. I have reviewed this presentation with other friends from Caltech. I have previously commented to the ACIP in December in support of EUA for the Pfizer vaccine. At that time, I said my only conflicts were elderly relatives who needed the vaccine yesterday. Since then, two of those three relatives have received the vaccine. One with rheumatoid arthritis has received a booster with no adverse effects. Next slide. The table of booster pros and cons, reasons against boosters are lack of need in view of current efficacy, risks, confidence, and global vaccine equity. However, I believe there are substantial reasons for boosters, including normal vaccination protocol involves a delay of months. Boosters may limit infectious cases in large gatherings and global vaccine supply will be from a more conventional vaccines, not requiring uh, un uninterrupted cold chain. Next slide. Balancing booster pros and cons, breakthrough infections, although milder, are occurring. Vaccine hesitancy is generally not rationally based. A phased booster approach would allow greater global vaccine availability, and the United States could boost international vaccine supply by funding new lower-cost vaccines such as Biological E. Next slide. Country approaches to booster vaccination support boosters. Canada, Italy, Greece, Britain, China, and France. Next slide. Conclusions. As my friend Chuck Wolf has commented, it's important to plan for boosters now, even if not everyone will receive a booster. There are three priorities. One, the unvaccinated. Two, children, six to 11. And three, boosters for other people. There are outbreaks in schools that have nearly shut down uh, schools in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, Booster vaccination should be 
offered beginning with age priorities, either 65 and older or 50 and older. Booster vaccination may offset, quote, social hesitancy of those who fear social interactions with anyone else and are thus isolated. But we should plan for boosters and the commission should promptly approve booster vaccination while dealing with the other priorities, the unvaccinated and school children. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Mr. Kubitz. The next speaker is Dr. Peter Doshi. Hi, I'm Peter Doshi, and thanks for the opportunity to speak. Hopefully you can see my title slide with my financial disclosure. For identification purposes, I'm on the faculty of the University of Maryland and an editor at the BMJ. I have no relevant conflicts of interest. Uh, next slide, please, which is labeled slide A. I want to start off by asking a question. Just what problem is this third dose aiming to solve? If we have a pandemic of the unvaccinated, as our public health officials have repeatedly stated, why would a, quote, fully vaccinated person need a third dose? Next slide B, please. The briefing document suggests the rationale for boosters is waning immunity, but the lowest vaccine efficacy figure mentioned is 87, 83.7%. And last month, FDA approved Pfizer's vaccine stating that efficacy against symptomatic COVID is 91%. Sure, a third dose might nudge up efficacy numbers, but so too might a fourth dose and a fifth dose. The thing is, the two-dose regimen efficacy numbers are already way higher than the 50% bar that FDA set in June last year for an approvable vaccine. Before contemplating the licensure of dose three, shouldn't FDA first require evidence that the two-dose regimen no longer meets the efficacy bar the agency just weeks ago said it met? If vaccine efficacy is now below 50%, let's see the data. Next slide C, please. Let's discuss safety. When discussions about a third dose began in July, CDC Deputy Director Dr. Jay Butler said it was vital to find out if the third dose increased adverse reactions, particularly severe ones. Unfortunately, we're still in the dark. Pfizer's booster application reports on just 329 people with no control data. Now, there is a Pfizer ongoing placebo-controlled randomized trial of boosters in 10,000 people not discussed in the briefing document but this trial is unlikely to satisfactorily characterize booster safety. First, the trial is too small and the enrollment's limited to healthy participants. Second, we really need to know how safe boosters are in people who already had bad reactions to dose one or two. But such people are obviously less likely to volunteer to participate in this trial, so we won't have the data to answer the question. Yet, if the booster is approved, such people will surely be mandated to receive a third. Uh, dose. Final slide D, please. I'll end with a question. Last week, three medical licensing boards said that they could revoke doctors' medical licenses for providing COVID vaccine misinformation. I'm worried about the chilling effect here. There are clearly many remaining unknowns, and science is all about probing unknowns. But in the present supercharged climate, and I'll point out that multiple members of this committee are certified by these boards, I want to ask FDA, what is FDA doing to ensure that those advising it are able to speak freely without fear of reprisal? Thank you for your attention. So I wanted to um, uh, I wanted to play those because they were important. One, so you could see how uh, <laughs> you see uh, <laughs> California is citing Raleigh, North Carolina 
Now, if you guys remember that um, website where I showed you where they had all the, the shots and how they distributed the placebo and the higher dose and the middle dose in um, Ohio, well, there's the same one down in North Carolina. And what happened was in Raleigh, North Carolina, all the stupid fucking teachers got the highest dose, toxicity, which made them super spreaders which means that they're just giving the cold to children. The children are not affected. They're being affected by the vaccinated. They're actually super spreaders. They have been programmed. Their bodies are making viruses because they are dying. Now, Tori, they're not all dead yet. <clears throat> These people are playing God. They have started, um, they have, enacted in gene therapy. Gene therapy, according to the FDA, takes about five to 15 years to be approved. And this is the type of gene therapy that they would use on people that have myasthenia gravis, cancer, and other things. But for some reason, this gene therapy got approved, uh, supposedly, within six months with hardly any data. And all the data is being collected by those that are getting the vaccine now. So it's still under experimental phase. So it wasn't really a proof. And now they're seeing that they never met the bar of 50% efficacy because obviously getting the vaccine is not protecting you from COVID because they didn't give you COVID. They're making you create something different, changing you physiologically, which is causing you to die, <laughs> causing you to have failures, changing your genetics where your liver and kidneys and heart will fail, where you'll suddenly become dumb. Those that took the Johnson and Johnson vaccine are accumulating lipids in their brain. Cholesterol. We talked about that. That is the segue for Ebola and making them susceptible to non-lethal Ebola, which is always around, right? This is a big deal. And you have doctors and nurses that are pushing this shit, knowing that it's not right. It's great to hear doctors say, dude, this has never happened before. Why are we doing this? And the last physician brought up something very important. Any doctor spreading misinformation, what's the misinformation? That you're not sharing data? That you're not reporting deaths? That you're not saying that the vaccine it has zero efficacy and that you're killing people? That you're making children and young adults get pulmonary embolisms and heart attacks and strokes? My friend died of a stroke because he got the vaccine three, four weeks right after he got his second dose. He died standing on his feet. That woman that whistle blew, her friend died almost right after she got her vaccine. She was helping a child that was 15 that had pulmonary embolism. Why would a kid have that? A 30 year old guy, Adam in Tennessee died. He wasn't vaccinated. Because he wasn't vaccinated, they experimented on him. So now they're waiting for you, who are not vaccinated, to enter the hospital so they can test you. This is a very big problem. Very, very, very big problem. They are killing everyone. And no one is saying a word. And now they're coming for your kids. They need your kids. Because if it works in kids, works in adults. Kids are the ones we need to protect. Tori, stop. We're parents. We're not going to let that happen. Let me show you. Let me introduce you to a group called the Family Preservation Foundation. I've been following them for a while, and I want to introduce them to you. They've been fighting for parental rights forever and a day. 
They actually have an active petition and um, because you don't have a constitutional right to parent. And this is where it comes down to. This is why I urge all of you, there's an affidavit that I'm going to be distributing to the guardians of your state channels. It's a generic one for everyone across the United States to fill out and send. Uh, what you can do is you can notarize it. There's online notaries. Go to UPS, go to your bank, and then scan it and send it to me. I need this for my federal lawsuit. I was speaking with a friend, a very important friend that's on the front lines fighting another battle for our nation. And he said, sorry, you're not going to change the law. I said, I have to fucking change the law because I can do it now. And this is what I need to do. My federal lawsuit, when I amend my case, I'm going to ask all of you to assert your rights as parents, as grandparents, that every parent should have the choice on their child's health care decisions, on how their child is raised, and if they should wear a mask or get a vaccine. And that they are entitled to a healthy environment when they go to school. Teachers are not healthy right now, especially the ones that are vaccinated. They're the ones providing all of these extra, you know, sicknesses that are going around. I mean, it is flu season, so let's just add to that. Whatever that means, <laughs> that's a conspiracy theory right there. So I will be dropping that generic affidavit that you guys obviously will change and put your name and your state, right? And you will cite that, and then you can email it to me. I will have an email there where you can send it. <clears throat> For those that are in Ohio, they'll be filling it out, just like they did for the writ of Mandemus. This is a huge war. Take a listen to what this gentleman has to say. Hello, I'm Dwight Mitchell. Some of you may know there is a parental rights amendment bill before Congress called HJRES 36. It proposes to amend the Constitution to include parental rights, and I'm going to need everyone's help on this next mission. I created a petition on the WhiteHouse.gov website urging Congress to take up the bill this session. If we get 100,000 signatures in 30 days, our petition will be put before the policymakers. In order to get our petition across the finish line, we need everyone to get between 5 and 10 people, ages 13 and above, to sign our petition. In this way, Congress will hear our message. For the past six years, I've been out on the front lines fighting for parental rights of all Americans. To that end, in an effect to expose the truth and to get the word out, I've spoken for the Minnesota legislature many times, the most recent time being in February 2020, just before the COVID lockdown, and pretty much every other media outlet that would have me regarding the violation of our fundamental parental rights and the unnecessary removal of children from the family home. Up until 2000, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed with parental rights. But in 2000, in the landmark case, Troxel versus Grainville, this all came undone. The Supreme Court justice just couldn't come to an agreement on the topic of parental right. There were five separate opinions, and this left the state and judges free to do whatever they choose, which is why you're seeing the current chaos in family court all across America. In fact, Justice Scalia, in his Troxel opinion, held that parents have no constitutionally corrected right whatsoever. Now it's time for Congress to act and amend the Constitution. Parental rights will become an explicit constitutional right, superior to the laws of every state and treaty. In other words, it will ensure that your right to parent is treated as a right and not taken away without compelling government interest. 
it's time for everyone to act now so that our voices are finally heard before Congress. Enough of this protesting on the steps outside the courthouse in the Capitol. We want our voices heard inside and this petition will make that happen. Click on the links below in the YouTube description. Read the bill, how the amendment was Jeremy Newman. Members, my name is Jeremy Newman. I'm the policy director with the Texas Homeschool Coalition. This is a bill that we've been involved in for over two years now, and that much research and time has gone into this as well. I want to uh, first explain to the committee what you're going to see inside this blue packet. Uh, the first page you'll see is, gives you kind of a 60-second guide to what's in the bill. Um, you'll also see an attorney general's opinion that outlines all of the standards that the bill uses, and you'll see a couple a couple letters uh, from some judges and attorneys who uh, wanted to give input on the bill as well. The process that was used to construct this was um, with feedback from numerous, and I mean numerous, attorneys and judges, appellate justices, even former Texas Supreme Court justice, all of who reviewed it specifically for the purpose of determining whether or not it was accurate to the case law. And then we went above and beyond and sought an attorney general opinion, all to clarify that the only stuff going into the bill is what is already in the case law and that nothing's being added beyond that. Um, one of the points that was brought up earlier uh, kind of alluded to, if this is already in the law, why don't we need it? Well, one of the things to note is that in family law cases, 40% of litigants are unrepresented. So if you have to read 100 years of case law to figure out what your constitutional rights are, what are the chances that you're going to prevail without an attorney? Very low. And so from our perspective, that's one of the reasons this is needed is because the standards are clear for anyone who knows how to find them. A lot of people do not know how to find them, even a lot of judges and attorneys. Uh, the qu issue was raised earlier of whether this was going to add a fitness requirement to the grandparents' access statute. I think if you read the case on this, you'll discover the Texas Supreme Court has repeatedly uh, looked to the fitness standard in grandparents' access cases already. This isn't a new standard, and the parental presumption already exists. So as was uh, raised earlier, this does not add that to the law at all. Um, and the, I guess the overall point I would want to make to the committee is that there are there are areas of case law that you could get into where you have to question how far some of these rights extend. The bill doesn't get into any of those. It thank restricts you. itself completely thank to... You, Your time is up. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Are, there, are there questions to the two witnesses who have testified so far? Yes. Mr. Newman, thanks. You were at the end. I want to make sure I don't miss what you were saying. Uh, the law is not expanded. This statute would not expand anything, but it would clarify what the current state of the law is. Is that, is that, is that the point? Right. Or more specifically that the only elements of the case law that are in the bill are the ones that have been clearly agreed on through the case law. So where the case law is still figuring out how far some of these rights extend, none of the bill doesn't extend to any of those. And I've read all hundred years of the case law multiple times. So I can. So basically he's saying what I'm telling you, there is bad case law out there saying that you do not have parental rights. You have no rights as a parent to represent your kid. You are not allowed to raise your kid. You can't tell the government what you want to do with your kid. Here is uh, a, a woman who works on the same committee and put together the petition. And I want you to hear what she has to say how Americans have no constitutional parental rights, what that means for you. Because what what I went in was for the mask mandates to kick it off. I did not expect them to pull that card. I did not expect a school board that is supposed to be looking after the children's interests and the parents' will 
to attack my right to defend my kid. Can't wait till I go to my board meeting on Wednesday. School board meeting is going to be lit because I'm not even going to address the school board. Aside from the fact that I'll be like, hey, I gave the FBI all I needed to give on you guys. And we will be pursuing and we will be asking the proper U.S. attorneys to start investigations. So I will be addressing the parents to tell them exactly what the school board is doing. Across America, parents are fighting for the lives of their children and losing. Although there is no constitutional right to be a parent, up until 20 years ago, the U.S. Supreme Court upheld the notion of parental rights as an American tradition. In 2000, the debate regarding parental rights was reopened before the Supreme Court in the Troxel versus Granville case, and the justices could not come to an agreement. There were six separate opinions, and none reached a five-vote majority. Justice Scalia held that parents have no constitutionally protected rights whatsoever. Only Justice Thomas clearly stated that parental rights receive the same high legal standard of protection as other fundamental rights. Since 2000, there has been a steady erosion of support for parental rights within the courts. This is leaving the parent-child relationship exposed to the imminent danger of government intrusion. Most people are unaware that in the last 20 years, 9 million children were forcibly separated from their parents by child welfare. As a mother of three children, this terrifies me. Based upon federal reports in 84% of the cases, there was no physical harm to the children whatsoever. Innocent parents are having children re removed just for wanting a second medical opinion, decisions regarding education, questioning vaccinations, false allegations of abuse during ugly divorces, or a mother allowing her eight-year-old daughter to walk their dog around the block. This results in a system that is failing both children and parents alike. There is this notion that the government can do a better job of raising children than the child's parents. But if you look at the federal reports, the outcomes are exactly the opposite. In the past 20 years, the government has done a horrible job of raising their children. They have separated from their parents. It amazes me that this system is allowed to continue. Currently, there is a bill before Congress which proposes an amendment to the Constitution to change this. It is the Parental Rights Amendment that will ensure that parents have a fundamental interest in directing the upbringing and education of their children and a right to the care, custody, and management of their children. Parental rights will become an explicit constitutional right, superior to the laws of every state and treaty. In other words, it will ensure that the right to parent is treated as a right and not taken away without compelling government interest. The Family Preservation Foundation supports the Parental Rights Amendment and created a petition on the WhiteHouse.gov website. If the petition gets 100,000 signatures in 30 days, our call to action will be put in front of the policymakers. Please click on the links below in the YouTube description to review the bill, how the amendment all right, I want you guys to pay attention. You will not click on the link below. You will not fill out a petition. Why? Because look who's in Congress. They will stuff pork in that bill. 
This is not what we need right now. But what we need is to use, I am going to be using the verbiage of that bill in my response to the fucking judge that questioned if I have parental rights. Now, for all of you saying, oh my God, I can't believe Scalia said it. What Scalia pointed out was not saying that you don't have rights. He's saying they really don't have any constitutionally protected rights because it's not explicitly stated. Why didn't they come to an answer? Because here's what happens. When it's not explicitly stated to the Constitution, it falls on the people and the state. And the state so far has been ruling that they own your kids. And the reason that I'm fighting this, because like I said, I could have won the case. I could have removed, I could have won my TRO by just having a preliminary injunction. Now I'm being threatened with my whole case being thrown out because I'm not allowed to represent my kid, which is perfect. And that's why I said, I'm going to fucking fight that. And everybody should be right there behind me because listen my kids are going to be fine i know that i don't know if yours will because if we fail if we fail to ensure that we have the right to protect our children they're coming for your kids they're going to vax your fucking kids in school and you will have no choice and they're coming for the homeschooled ones first because if you remember the people that were giving the packets out were the homeschooled kids they're going to come for you because that won't be too visible. Homeschooled parent. They're probably going to say some yucky, uh, some yuppie with like, you know, sandals teaching their kid. They're coming for those first. That's what they did in Michigan. And that's what they're going to do across America. And, and, and I hear from people, well, if they come for my kids, I'm going to shoot them. Okay. Then everybody dies and they still take your fucking kids after you're dead. So this there is no option for me failing. This is why we need to make noise. The media is not reporting it. They don't give a fuck. All of these groups don't give a shit about you. They give a shit about their money or else they would have been like, holy crap. When they're going to be forcing this, we won't be able to defend our kids unless we have money. See, all of these big media personalities don't care. Why? Because they have money and they will be able to be saved for a bit. It's like a sheep. Always scared of the fucking wolf only to be eaten by the shepherd, right? That's what's going to happen to them. The shepherd's going to eat them up. <laughs> They're like feeding the alligator, hoping it eats them last. Idiots. This is why I'm angry. This is why I'm pissed that all these people that supposedly have platforms and shit don't talk because they don't care about your kids. They don't care about your rights. They care about clicks, views, and selling socks, jerky, fucking coins, and shit like that. They should be on your side. They should be propping you up. They should be pushing this out. Any media outlet not doing it is doing a disservice calling themselves media. I scoff at each and every one of them. It's disgusting. So I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it. Um... Hopefully I can get this amendment tidied up tomorrow uh, night so I can then review it on Wednesday morning and then prep for my, um, I won't have a show on Wednesday because I'll be at the school board meeting. Um, obviously there's no point in talking science with them except for the fact that I'll be like, hey, so we have a school in Ohio that's never worn masks and they're fine. And while all these scared parents with masks on are here, here there's emails from Fauci, which I'm going to put in the case. So you guys can all read it there. No point in showing facts here because you guys don't give a shit about facts. You care about getting your chunk of money. The parents need to know what's going on. 
They need to know that a school board hired a big firm spending our money, which they have a lot of, $600 million in the bank for only 4,000 students. Sounds a little bit excessive. But um, <clears throat> they need to know what the school board thinks. You have no rights over your kids, period. That's every single one of them. And if you remember, before even judgment came out on my case, other law firms are writing up, hey, hire us because the parents can't defend their kids. You got this. Hire us if they're suing you for masks. And they already put an article, which I'm also going to add in my lawsuit and say, what the fuck is this? This is ambulance chasing. This is ridiculous. So this is what we need to do. That's on the federal case. Now let's go to the writ of mandamus. I want to show you guys what we're doing with that. So, so far we have Arizona, Idaho, Illinois, Washington. Why am I forgetting again? Ohio, Tennessee, and Texas. Seven. 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 Shit. Why does it have to be 19? Right? <laughs> I need 19 more. And I'll tell you why. So first, let me refresh you guys on what a writ of mandamus is. And then I'll tell you why we need 19 more states. We're going to do something that's never been done before, but it's feasible. In this video, we will discuss the writ of mandamus. A writ of mandamus is an order from an appellate level court to a lower court or a government official to perform his duty or to not exceed his powers. For example, Let's say there is a case in a New York federal court and a defendant asks the judge to transfer the case to Florida. He makes a motion to transfer the case, but the judge does not rule on the motion. Months and months pass and the court does not decide whether to grant or deny the motion. And the defendant believes he's been denied justice because of the delay. So what can the defendant in the federal trial-level court do? He could seek relief from an appellate court. Specifically, he could petition for a writ of mandamus. If the federal appellate-level court agrees that the trial court judge abused her discretion and that the defendant has no other remedy, the appellate court could issue a writ of mandamus to require the trial-level judge to decide the motion. To summarize, a writ of mandamus is a court order from an appellate-level court to a lower-level court or government official. The writ of mandamus directs the subject of the writ to perform his duty or to not exceed his authority. The writ is rare. To be entitled to the writ, the judge or government official must have abused his discretion or his authority, and the petitioner must lack another remedy. Basically, the writ of mandamus, I'll just bring myself, for example, since I did the one in Ohio, was uh, to the highest court that I could, which is the Supreme Court, saying, I, can't, I don't have another remedy for someone to tell the governor to do his job. We've been telling him, people have been suing him, like nothing's happening. And my rights are constantly being violated. The Constitution of Ohio is constantly being violated. The laws say you need to be enforcing the Ohio State Constitution. He took an oath to defend the state constitution and he's not doing it. He's pissing all over it and he's maiming it. Tell him to do his fucking job and enforce it within the jurisdiction of Ohio, which means nobody can force us to take 
take any medication. Nobody can force us to participate in any healthcare system. That means data collection, data information, temperature taking, masks, anything. It is against the Constitution of Ohio, period. So I'm not telling the, the governor obviously hasn't used his discretion. He hasn't even fucking discretion, used discretion at all. He's just ignored Article 1, Section 21 of the Ohio State Constitution, right? Done. State of Ohio Constitution, done. So I'm telling the judge to do his job. And every, and I got tons, and I'm still getting tons of affidavits in the mail. Now I know I was, it was brought to my attention that someone else wrote a written mandamus, uh, uh, you know, to stop mask mandates or something earlier, and it's still sitting there. Well, I already have a remedy for that, but I'm going to wait. And here's where I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until we have 26 writ of mandamuses across the nation. I need 26 of them, 26 different states. And I'll, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why, okay? In order to get something done, there's something called, um, there's got to be supremacy. Now, the supremacy clause has never been used in writ of mandamuses or petitions by citizens, but by laws that have been enacted by states. We're going to do something new. So this is what we're going to be doing. Let me explain to you Constitution 101, what's necessary and proper. Take a listen. Modern politicians and legal experts seem to think that necessary and proper means anything and everything, but they couldn't be more wrong. Supporters of the monster state use the Necessary and Proper Clause found in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution to justify all kinds of federal activities that the Constitution actually doesn't authorize. They like to refer to this clause as the Elastic Clause because of how they stretch it, pull it, and wrap it around all kinds of new power never intended by the founders. Even central power-loving Alexander Hamilton said the Necessary and Proper Clause did not give the federal government any additional powers. He called the clause a truism in Federalist Number 33, saying the operation of government would be precisely the same if it were obliterated. So what exactly does Necessary and Proper mean? Basically, it allows an agent to do things not explicitly spelled out in a legal document, but necessary to carry out delegated powers. The founders considered these incidental powers and recognized three criteria for constitutionality. One, an incidental power must be necessary to carry out the delegated power, like buying land on which to establish a post office. Two, it must be a customary way of carrying out the delegated power, like hiring people to deliver the mail. And three, it must never rise to a level greater than the original power delegated, like claiming the power to own all truck manufacturers under the power to establish a post office and post roads. Or take this as another example. Say I contract you to run my grocery store. I don't need to spell out that you can pay a guy to clean the floors or hire a mechanic to fix a freezer. Those powers are necessary and customary to running a grocery store. But you wouldn't have the legal authority to buy a farm or use revenue from the store to subsidize the growth of one product, like corn, to the detriment of others. Necessary and proper authorizes the federal government to do ordinary things in carrying out the powers delegated to it in the Constitution. 
it does not authorize the government to take over, control, or monopolize anything and everything. That's what's up. And that's exactly what they're doing. So here's where we're going to go into the supremacy clause. We're going to go to my favorite liberal, Hipster Hughes, who explains this. This is what I want to do. I want to get the majority of states filing the same damn thing, talking about their rights being infringed before I can petition SCOTUS to force my court to move. If I have 26 states filing writ of mandamuses against their own governors under the same reasons, then boom, it's done. It's the supremacy. No one's ever done this and we're going to do this together. So we're going to do this together. For those of you that are not in one of the state groups, get in the state groups. I don't run them, right? You, the people run them. It's not about me. It's about you, the people. Keep it together because they will come to destroy it. This is what we need to put. So there's two things we're fighting here. One, we need one brave person in your state to file the written mandamus. Two, the rest of you file affidavits in support of that written mandamus. Pretty simple. For the parental rights, it's my case only. That I need affidavits from across America supporting my right to defend my child. And I'll have that to you guys uh, in the state groups early tomorrow morning. I'll be giving that to the guardians. I know we have a template already. I just want to sit down with the, uh, with the guardians of your state groups and tell them, okay, here's what I need. So that way they know so they can explain it. So these are the two things we're doing. But here's how we're going to win on crashing down on all of this medical tyranny. And you know what? We might even be setting precedent to get rid of Obamacare. The Constitution series for dummies, you're not a dummy, I'm just joking, but it's time to do Article 6, better known as the Supremacy Clause. Let's take a look at each of the three sections of Article 6, and then uh, we'll be done in like five minutes. You got five minutes to grow your brain? Yeah, here we go. All right, so let's start with kind of like the debt phrasing of the, the first section. You can see it for yourself on the screen. All debts contracted and engagements entered into before the adoption of this Constitution shall be valid against the United States under this Constitution as under the Confederation. We go for it. I think that's what they're saying. I think that's what they're saying to economic uh, markets and banks and other nations and such is saying, don't worry, we're changing constitutions, but we know we still owe you. And this is going to um, actually transfer itself into um, the national debt under Alexander Hamilton, the first secretary of the Treasury. What are you talking about, Hughes? Let's do the big guy, which is Section 2. Who's your daddy? I call Section 2 of Article 6 the Who's Your Daddy Clause because, in a sense, it's really kind of telling the states that if it comes down to it, that there is a force of power in this relationship, that the federal government is supreme over the states like a parent over a child. And I know that analogy is going to upset some strict libertarians, but in the end of the day, if you read Article 6, you can see what I'm talking about it. Take a look at the screen. This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made, or which shall be made, under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land. 
and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. Anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary, notwithstanding. So there you go. Anything that um, is in conflict with the state, if it's being, I guess, found constitutional, and this will be later defined by the Marshall Court early on in the uh, early republic, is going to win the day when it comes down to state power. So that's the supremacy clause, right? If you have a problem with it, you should leave it down in the comments below. So third section of Article 6 is basically the oath and religious qualification kind of language. You can see it for yourself on the screen. The senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of the several state legislatures and all executive and judicial officers, both of the United States and of the several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution. But no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. So there you go. We have an oath qualification. If you're going to take office in the United States in any official political position, that you're going to have to take an oath to the Constitution and what that means. And of course, if you're looking at that through the light of the rest of Article 6, there's probably some kind of, I think, hidden message in there of supremacy and that you realize that in this relationship that the federal government's Constitution is going to run supreme through the land. We also have a religious qualification in there. Someone must have snuck that in there. I bet it was Jefferson. I bet he did it somehow. He was in France. I don't know how he did it. There you go, guys. Check out the description below. We have links for you. We have other EDU channels that you should be visiting. And I think that I'm on the tweeters. Or is it the Twitters? I'm doing the tweeting on the Twitters. So if you want, check me out. At well, okay. So now let's go to this video. I just want to talk about the supremacy clause a little bit. Hold on. Here we go. It's a common claim that the Supremacy Clause of the Constitution means that federal law is always supreme over conflicting state laws. But this view flips the original legal meaning of the clause on its head. Let's start with the text of the Supremacy Clause itself. This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made, or which shall be made, under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby, anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary, notwithstanding. Note the key words, in pursuance thereof. The mere fact that the federal government does something does not give it supremacy. It must find roots in the enumerated powers delegated in the Constitution, and at the same time, it must not violate the Bill of Rights. Alexander Hamilton covered this in Federalist 78. He wrote, There is no position on which depends clearer principles than that every act of a delegated authority, contrary to the tenor of the commission under which it is exercised, is void. No legislative act, therefore, contrary to the Constitution, can be valid. What does this mean in practice when federal and state laws conflict? Well, in general, if the federal law is in pursuance of the powers delegated in the Constitution, federal law is supreme. And in general, when it's not, state law wins. Otherwise, the Supremacy Clause would say this. This Constitution and any other act that Congress in its infinite wisdom decides to pass shall be the supreme law of the land. But it doesn't. Federal laws not made in pursuance of the Constitution are not supreme. They're void and should be treated that way, too. 
well, well, well. So here's what we're going to do. If you guys know the red flag laws that were going around, I was doing a show um, on that and we talked about it, whereas they needed to get more than 26 states to approve red state law, red flag laws, which means if somebody doesn't like you, they could say, oh, you know, he's a little bit iffy and then they come and take your guns, right? And I said, if that shit happens, we're fucked because then it becomes a law of the land because the majority of the states have passed laws like that. Well, here it is. If we have 26 states where there are active writ of mandamuses against the governors demanding that their rights be upheld. Huh. Now we've got the attention of SCOTUS and here's where it's going to get fun. And we're going to be able to get that done. How? Well, I was the first writ mandamus and I'm pretty sure the Supreme court's not really going to move on anything. I'm waiting day. I know that right now the attorney general, David Yost, I should text him actually. Say, how are you doing with that research? Trying to find ways to not cite the Constitution. <laughs> you got trapped. So mine's first. Yours are going to sit too, right? They don't move fast. They sit on that shit. So here's how it's going to go. That's why I need you guys to do this as fast as possible. As fast as possible. We already got Texas. We already got Ohio, we already got Idaho, we already got Washington, we already have Arizona, we already have Illinois, and we got Tennessee today too. So um, let's get cracking in the other states because the minute we have 26 states, I'm going to be petitioning the Supreme Court to expedite my writ of mandamus, which is iron fucking clad. There is nothing, there's no wiggle room in that. The definitions are there. The penalties are there. The verbiage is there. And guess what? Indirect and direct means as a parent, I'm affected. Indirectly affected because my neighbor's affected. Blah, 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 blah. So again, find constitutional verbiage in your state's constitution and latch onto that bitch and file that writ of mandamus. In your groups, there are people that can help. We're all here to help. Where we go one, we go all. And let me tell you something. The faster we get this done, the faster this shit is over. Because there'll be a federal fucking stay on all this shit. We can help our troops. We can help people that are losing their jobs. We can help our children that are suffering. And we can stop this madness. Now, no one's ever done this. So it's going to be a first. Pulling the whole majority of states of citizens complaining these are rights that have not been explicitly stated in the U.S. Constitution. Therefore, they belong to us according to the Ninth and Tenth Amendment. So I'm going to try that maneuver. That is something that we can do it. So the faster we do it, the better. You guys, get in your groups, talk, and then draw straws. Who's going to go first? Who's going to put their name on it? One person needs to file it. That's it. You need legal help? There's a, Tori says, legal team. We have tons of lawyers and, uh, you know, paralegals that will help put things together, not perfectly, but guide you because they can't advise you. They are not, you are not their clients, right? Right? So they legally cannot advise you, but they can pass over and say, hey, you have some grammatical spelling. Hey, maybe you want to do a paragraph like this, you know, whatever, right? They can't legally represent you. Together, 
or fucking unstoppable. And they know that. They know that the minute we stop fighting and the minute we start uniting, it's game over. And right now within the United States, we're about 750,000 strong across all boards. We need more. We need active participation. The fact that they're not that active is insane because, you know, I see state groups that have 200 and then there's a side state group with like thousands of them and they're all sitting there sharing fucking memes. And it's like, I want to smack them. Like, what are you doing? The meme's not going to save you. The meme's not going to stop the dude coming in your house and taking your kid. Meme's not going to stop you from not being able to get unemployment or any government aid because you can't work because you didn't get the vaccine. Meme's not going to help you when you go to the hospital and they kill you. Okay. So it's about time we all get together. Affidavits don't cost you shit. You can go to your bank. It's free. You could go to a government office. It's free. All you do is type that shit up, print it, get it stamped with your ID that you did it, scan it and send it to me. And if you're at UPS, Print it there, have them notarize it. I think they charge you anything from a dollar to 10 bucks max. And then you'd be like, hey, can you scan and email it to me? And then once you get that email, you forward that shit on to me. That's all I need. And I will take care of all of it. Guys, this is how we win. We do this. We don't need anybody doing shit for us. We don't need groups rallying. What, where are they? Where are all these big influencers? Busy telling you secrets. Busy telling you, oh my God, there's a tsunami, fuck sick. Wake up, guys. It's time we get busy. The faster we move, the faster we take back our nation. And we remove all these idiots. And we help the boss get things done. Right? That's how we do it. So I'm like so excited for you guys. Because you guys are doing it. I know that um, some of these uh, uh, writ filers are going to be uh, on TV soon, uh, at least one, one reporter, maybe two, um, will be showcasing you guys because it's important. I'm not going to be on TV. It's not about me. So I'll just have someone from Ohio represent me. Um, they're fully capable of doing it because it was just my name. It's, it's a group effort. I shouldn't take any credit for any of it. We're doing it together. Right. And it was God that, that let me see that law. <laughs> God, let me see it. So, you know, I can't take credit for anything. We're doing it together. A united America is an unstoppable America. And at a time where we are plagued with propaganda, fake news, misinformation, and people promising you, oh, this person's getting this done, that. Same people that were like, oh, Durham's like a pipe dream. It's such bullshit. What have I said? He's busy, 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 busy. And he took out Sussman. Like, oh my gosh, the top of the, <laughs> I can't believe he hit Sussman first. That's incredible. You guys should have more faith in that. There are so many moving parts right now. Rays of light are coming in. I'm so proud of each and every one of you. Tennessee, fantastic. Jer Jerry Thompson filed that one. Um, I think it was, um, filed it in, um, in Texas. It was Libby, right? That did it, if I'm not mistaken. Dallas Peeps. Right. You guys did that. Dallas peeps did that. The people that I'm, you know, I, I would totally love before they start banning flights to come and just meet up with you guys. I'm so excited for you. I think, uh, that's, uh, really important. Um, yeah, Linny did it. She did. I wonder if they ever got my flowers, but, um, Linny did it. Dallas, you go, you go, you guys rock. This is it. 
All of you just file it. Fine. Read your constitution. I'm still going through the U.S. Constitution to craft my response. I'm going through every sentence, every word, every paragraph, every single one, every single case law. When I come up with an idea, I'm like, okay, for servitude, I could use that. Let me find case law. Because I'm going to throw the slavery card. Okay? That's awesome. So <clears throat> on that note, guys, propaganda is dangerous. Very, very dangerous. And I'm going to play Propaganda by Tom McDonald now. As I bid you a good evening. It's a harvest moon. Time to harvest. Separating the wheat from the chaff. God bless. Hey, Derek. You good, bro? We ain't picking up calls, dog. What's wrong, man? Daryl, you good? Hey. Hey, Daryl. We all been divided by it in the streets. Elections always been rigged. I ain't surprised when somebody cheats. All I see is pentagrams of the propaganda, but our priorities a vaccine. It ain't hard for wolves to find a flock when the sheep are fast asleep. Too many people like character. Too many journalists scaring you. Too many pencils attempting to rewrite the constitution. You probably gonna tear it up. I love the country, but I don't trust the people taking care of us. We went to bed with the American dream. We woke up in Nightmareca. And all I see is propaganda. All I see is propaganda. All I see is propaganda.
Y no la sigue tanto que 